Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode uh, we are going to be talking about the career of Crim6, the uh, three-time world champion, the most winningest player in Call of Duty uh, esports history um, as he retired this past week. Uh, and uh, we haven't had an episode since, so I think it's a, a great time to talk about Krim and like his impact on Call of Duty and uh, his legacy in Call of Duty. Uh, we also have um, some announcement news for the next season of the Call of Duty League, which will begin by the end of the year. Uh, it starts in December 2022. And roster confirmation. Some of these uh, have been rumored for a while, um, but some of these are... Uh, a little more surprising and uh, we'll get into it all but uh, before I do any of that how are you doing Bink? Doing all right yeah it's been a little bit since we had an episode but now we finally have a good amount of stuff to talk about so ready to jump right in. Yeah so let's start at the top with Crim6. Um, this is uh, almost a week late because uh, you know we haven't had uh, an episode in a few weeks now but um, Crim6 uh, like I said at the top of the show uh, the most winningest player in most tournaments, uh, major tournaments, uh, um, and he has some of the most uh, prize money uh, winnings um, in Call of Duty League history or Call of Duty esports history, rather. And of course, three-time world champion, one of only three players to do so. Um, that kind of speaks for itself, I think, the fact that he's been able to rack up all of these accomplishments and uh, be a part of two i think in i mean uh atlanta phase has kind of uh made a jump in there but before phase uh kind of come on, came onto the scene it was optic and complexity those were like the two dynasties that call of duty has had and he was at the center of both of those um so just an incredible player um you know what what were your reactions to crim six retirement and his career coming to an end in call of duty yeah, I think it's a, it's a sad day for the COD community, obviously. Um, as the years progressed, he obviously wasn't quite to playing to the level that we saw when he was first coming onto the scene as, you know, was known as the Crimbot and stuff like that, just absolutely dominating. Um, but he was still a winner and a proven leader, and um, I think that was pretty well uh, encapsulated in the MW championship you won with Empire, with Clay, uh, Shotzi, Illy, and Hook. You know, he obviously had the help of Clayster in the leadership department, but um, that's towards the end of his career playing with two rookies at the time who, uh, one of them, Shotzi, was really his first time playing competitive COD, like respawn at that level. Although Illy had been known for Search and Destroy, it was his first rookie season or his rookie season in CDL as well. Um, so that, that'll that always stick out to me. But I think, you know, towards the end, and especially this past year, um, the thing that a lot of fans, I feel like, will remember the most is just his his attitude and, you know, not not giving a shit about what he says and uh, his joking or trolly demeanor. Um brought a lot of smiles to people's faces. Some people might have cringed at some stuff, but uh, nevertheless, uh, end of the day, Krim was an incredible competitor um, and a very entertaining personality that the scene will dearly miss. Yeah, I think that's a 
a defining trait of Crim Six is just like his personality. And part of it is, you know, he's he's kind of putting on, you know, for the entertainment value of fans sometimes, like especially on Twitter or like on a stream, but it like it's not a not a gimmick that he's this intense like hyper competitive like kind of troll um like you said uh and you know you, you look at you know not maybe not his finest moment but his most recent appearance on the flank that is just <laughs> crim six like in a nutshell like a little controversial very funny um definitely combative i, I think of him and aches in very similar um ideas of like they're obviously incredibly smart and uh, very talented and some of the best Call of Duty players of all time, but that doesn't come without like their fair share of controversy or just the way that they they uh, they interact with their teammates. Cannot it, it might not be the perfect fit for every team, um, but and, and that just makes Crimson's legacy even greater to me. Is like he's not this uh, real like soft spoken like. You just you fit him into any roster and he'll be able to adapt. It's like he is a a maverick of sorts. Like he's so brash, he can be abrasive, but he's a leader and he he won all of these championships, all of these tournaments, despite having that, or maybe because of that. But when you think about you know, I, I don't I don't think Scump of the same way. I, I don't think Scump is you know super loud and. Um, he, he doesn't seem to have all the issues that Crim6 does with his teammates, but Crim6 is, you know, such a great player that he's made it work all this time. Um, and I, I, I think that Crim6, like, of really, like, there are only a few players that will be remembered as, like, more important to Call of Duty than Crim6. Um, but, you know, he's just a great player. And it, it, like you said, it is a sad day that we we won't have him anymore to be like a player in the league. Um, it, you know, maybe he'll stick around and he'll be a part of the community. But um, the way that, you know, he has been this season, uh, like at tournaments and competing and everything, we won't have that. So uh, that does suck. I will say um, he obviously announced in his retirement video that he's going to move on to content. Um, and he did mention competing in Warzone 2. Um, we don't know exactly what that will look like or, you know, mm -hmm. how seriously he'll take competing in Warzone. But um, that is worth mentioning for fans of Crim6 and people who still want to uh, see his stuff. I, I think he'll, he even back in the day when he was doing like tournament vlogs and stuff, um, he was pretty funny and obviously still is funny. So um, I, I think his content will be entertaining. Um, but I do think that in terms of his future in the CDL, he's kind of in a similar to how I felt about Aches when Aches retires. Like I, I think both of them could be coaches. I don't see them as coaches though. I, I think both of them would be great on the desk. In this case, I think Kerm would be really good on the desk, but I also don't really see him doing that. He might do like a guest appearance here or there, but I don't think he would be like a full-time addition to um, the the analyst desk or anything like that. I could see him owning a team very far down in the future if, you know, expansion ever does happen or whatever uh, comes of that. That's what I think his potential future could be in the CDL. Um, again, he, he could very well coach and he would be good at it, could very well do the analyst desk and would be good at it. But I think potentially moving into an ownership um, role would 
where I would see him. But again, I don't even know if that's what he's interested in. For all we know, he could very well just do content and uh, kick his feet up and chill for a while. He's certainly got the earnings and the uh, the money to do so if that's what he wants. I think it'll be entertaining on the flank at least. Uh, a Crim6 that isn't tied to any organization or any particular team if he does end up uh, just like showing up on the flank uh, now and then because he's he's like aches there's no really controlling them at times and um, that can be good that can be bad and uh, you know that would probably be the reason I I don't particularly see him as like an analyst on the CDL desk just he's a little uh, a little different than everybody else um, but yeah he would be incredible if if he wanted to do it um, but yeah, uh, just kind of putting a cap on it, just incredible career. Um, you know, obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest call of duty player of all time, um, I, people will have that debate and, you know, th like there's no debate without crim six, um, obviously. Um, but you know, just an incredible career and, uh, definitely going to be missed, uh, within the community, um, at events, especially. Um, let's go to these, uh, the, the season announcement because, um, this just kind of popped up one day. They, they, the, the YouTube stream was counting down or the premiere or whatever was counting down. And we didn't really know exactly, um, how much the CDL was going to announce. Um, but it turns out that they are, uh, announcing that the new season or the next season of the CDL will begin before the end of the year. Um, so it will be a 2022-23 season um, upcoming, uh, which is definitely going to make Bink um, stress out trying to figure out how to write that. Um, because no, it's not the 2022 season. We just had the 2022 season. You can't have a 2022 season and then a 2022 and 2023 season combined. We just had 2022. The event happens in 2022. It's still part of the 2023 season. Don't care. End of discussion. See, I told you he wouldn't be too happy about it. Um yeah, so the 2022-23 season it begins in December, um, which uh, I I love it. Uh, I know we were talking about it in uh, DMs like a while ago, like uh, Tremor was involved and I was saying like it needs to be as soon as possible. Like it, it can't even like even if you get to like January like 15th or something like mid-January, which would be the earliest start date that the CDO had ever had, like, even then it's just kind of like, who's going to be waiting around for the CDL in January. Uh, so, um, the next season of the call of duty league will actually begin on December 2nd, uh, which is just, uh, a little bit over a month, uh, after, uh, let me check. Modern Warfare 2 release date is 28th. Okay. So uh, just a little bit over a month um, after uh, Modern Warfare 2 comes out, uh, a few weeks after Warzone 2.0 uh, comes out, I believe. I think that's mid-November. Of November, yeah. Yeah, so it, they, they really are capitalizing on uh, what probably will be a gigantic launch for Call of Duty um, and Warzone and everything involved in that. Uh, so December 2nd is when the uh, qualifiers start for Major 1. Um, and then the first Major of the season will happen um, about two weeks later. 
Um, and the first major will be a pro-am. So instead of having that mid-season pro-am classic like we had last uh, season, we are going to have um, the first major of the season be a pro-am, and that will take place in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, that will not be hosted by any particular CDL team, but uh, there will be four additional majors after that, um, uh, the second of which will be hosted by the Boston Breach, the third uh, hosted by Optic Texas, the fourth hosted by the New York Subliners, and then the fifth is to be determined, um, and then there will be a uh, CDL championship at the end of the season to determine another world champion. Um, let, let's get your thoughts on this format. Uh, obviously, we don't have like the specific details of like um, the qualifying matches, like how different it will be or um, you know, whatever the schedule will be, but we do know that there will be five majors. Um, the first of which would be a pro-am and then you have the playoffs at the end of the year. So, and obviously the start date is probably the biggest thing, but what's your thoughts? Yeah. So I think, um, my take has always been on the like start date is that I agree with it needing to be earlier, but it did need to have some bit of a cushion to ensure that the players were able to establish a, I don't even know if effective is the right word here just because a month is still not a lot of time, but uh, the players need some time to establish a rule set a map set and all that stuff that can be competitively viable. And if, you know, just in a world where uh, there are a lot of people who wanted, you know, the, the season to start almost immediately after the game launches, like I'm talking like a week, um, I think me. that would be completely, I just think that would be unviable until we get to a point, we've had this discussion before, if we get mm -hmm. to a point where the players are consistently playtesting the new game ahead of time, then maybe we can get there. But right now that's just unrealistic and that's not what's happening behind the scenes as far as we know. So um, the players need time after the game is officially launched to try to establish uh, the map set, the rule set, all that stuff. So um, I think having a month and change before the first event is, is a good middle ground. Um, I don't think much earlier would be sufficient or would be sustainable just because of those issues. I, th I think, you know, we saw um, somebody leaked uh, that in the beta, there's like maps with eight hard points again, which was something we talked about in like Modern Warfare 2019, where Arklov Peak had 20 hard points or something at launch. Um, so there's still stuff like that that needs to be ironed out after, well, hopefully before the game launches, but certainly there's going to be stuff that we have to, the, the community will have to establish and figure out once the game is officially released. So I think the December start date is good earlier than before. It still can capitalize on some of the early hype and momentum from uh, the game launch. But again, it's just, it's got to be done in a way where, um, you know, hopefully we're not looking back next December or I mean, next September, we can even say, and um, we're saying like, damn, the, the first event of the year was kind of like an asterisk or um, th there was a bunch of issues just because, you know, it started so early and uh, the game wasn't ready or the map set wasn't ready, stuff like that. So uh, that's my only concern. Hopefully that's not uh, what happens, but um, it's definitely something that could come about and is worth mentioning in my opinion. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, excited about the early start date. I'm excited about the Raleigh event in, in general, just because um, for me personally, MLG Raleigh 2011 is uh, the event that really got me into competitive Call of Duty. Um, 
So just on a personal level, I'm really excited for Call of Duty to return there. I'm not, I don't think there was has been a Raleigh event between 2011 and now, so um, pretty meaningful, at least on a personal level to me. Not like I'm from Raleigh or anything like that, but just for my history in competitive COD. Um, and yeah, I think it, it's interesting that although Boston didn't host the major last year, they hosted the Challengers event that was like connected to the New York major and obviously New York and Optic hosted events last year. Um, I personally would have liked to see some of the other organizations get involved, but I'm sure there's, you know, logistics and stuff involved behind that decision-making process. It makes sense to have Optic host uh, an event every single year just for obvious reasons. And uh, based on where I'm living, I'm certainly not going to compare about it or complain about events in Boston and New York. So um, what we've seen so far, I, I'm pretty happy with the schedule. Obviously, like you said, we don't know um, the process and the exact format for qualifiers and actual matches, stuff like that. But just from a uh, schedule standpoint, uh, happy with the early start date and some of the uh, minor details we've been shown so far. Yeah. Um, as for the start date, like you said, uh, if like I personally, you know, if I was running the Call of Duty League or if I was, uh, you know, like in charge of ensuring the competitive viability of like Modern Warfare 2, I would be having the pros playing it pretty much nonstop from here on out. Like maybe basically what you do like in a beta, you know, you take the first half of the week to fix the bugs and address issues that players have complaints about. And then for the second half of the week, those players play on the game you know for three or four days straight and then we do it all over again i think that personally would be a good solution um and i i think it, it's a possibility in the future just because activision blizzard also owns um, blizzard entertainment which develops overwatch um, and overwatch 2 is not even released and the overwatch league has been playing on an early build of overwatch 2 um, this entire season which i think is great and something that call of duty can take maybe not just like an early build of the call of duty game but have playtesting with pro players specifically um, and other competitive players throughout you know the off season uh, so to speak so those players can get used to it um, and be prepared when the season starts and we can have an even earlier start date uh, because I, I think it would be uh, an incredible um, way to kick off like a Call of Duty cycle. Um, as for the format of, you know, the majors and stuff, um, you know, we don't really know the, the specific format, but uh, like you, I think it's great that they're going to Raleigh. Um, it's not connected to any of the franchises, which I think is a cool idea. Um, that You know, there's no real limit on where they can go um especially to kick off the season have it somewhere new um and somewhere that is familiar with call of duty um call of duty history halo um i think has been raleigh more recently um so there's that connection with mog and all, and all of that so um that's a that's a good tie-in i do agree with you as well that we should be trying to get as many franchises and as many markets a LAN event as possible. I understand like there's a, a good reason why you would want to go to New York or, you know, if that fifth major, I, I don't think it will be, but um, that fifth major might be Los Angeles or champs might be in Los Angeles again, which is, you know, somewhat likely, I think. Um, like, I understand that there are two gigantic markets and they also have LA at least has two teams that you you have 
fans for um, theoretically. So I understand that, but it'd be awesome to see a Florida major, um, you know, maybe uh, it, like Optic, they already hosted one, maybe a Las Vegas major to have the Vegas Legion, um, you know, the, the first season that they're in Las Vegas, have an event there. Uh, obviously going to London would be an incredible thing for the CDL. Um, something that needs to happen. It hasn't happened since early 2020 before the pandemic and everything shut down. So um, I, I personally think that we should, uh, as, a, as a community, be pushing for more of that because uh, I, I saw some complaints about uh, the locations of the major and how there wasn't a European major um, you know, location at least. And I understand that if you're the London Royal Ravens fan base, which is probably, you know, like, like, let's say 70, 80% full of people that are like in England or the UK or Europe in general, how likely are you going to be to fly to New York or Boston or any of these other U S based majors? Um, but if it was at the copper box arena, I think it was last time, um, where we had an event, I think a lot more people would be like more likely to go and maybe introduce their friends or something. But um, that's kind of a, a different topic for another day. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the CDL season. I'm glad that they added an additional major. Um, there were four last year, five uh, this year. Uh, definitely something that, you know, is, is a good thing for the CDL. More events is, is good in general. We should mention though that I'm mean, technically, if you count the kickoff and the pro am last year, there were six events last yeah. year. So there's, um, well, no, there would be seven events counting champs too. Yeah. Um. So there will be five events plus champs, so six events this year. So basically, no kickoff. Um, but the pro am counting as major one is worth mentioning too. They said in the announcement videos that CDL points will be earned, uh, at major one slash the pro am this year, which. Um, that's a little interesting to me just because um, I can see there being some complaint about, oh, you know, you beat we'll just, three. We'll say, yeah, we'll say Se Seattle got 20 points because they beat two challengers teams, but Las Vegas didn't play any challengers teams or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that being a point of contention. We'll just have to see how that works out. But it definitely, I, it's, I'm glad we thought of it. It's worth mentioning that um, point, CDL points for the standings to qualify for champs, assuming they stick to the same process of only top eight qualifying for champs. Um, the Pro-Am will be very important uh, if it's given away CDL points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be something that will have to be worked out. It, it also might change by the, the, the start of the season because... I'm sure there will be a lot of complaints um, about various things uh, with the CDO. And when they announce the actual format and uh, all of the qualifying information, I'm sure there will be more complaints. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something changes by the time that December 2nd rolls around. Um, let's get into these roster changes or these, you know, roster announcements at least. Uh, so September 1st, this was three weeks ago, but um, the Seattle Surge, they announced that they're bringing back their entire roster uh, from the 2022 season. So uh, Accuracy, Mac, Pred, and Sib are all returning uh, for the Surge after a third-place finish at the CDL Championship. Also uh, won major three of the season and had the best season that Seattle has had um, since the beginning of the Call of Duty League season, or the Call of Duty League in general. Um any thoughts on this? Because you thought there might be, uh, you know, 
a change or so like you thought accuracy might be swapped out um like as a possibility but what do you think about seattle bringing back their entire roster yeah i i think it makes sense i th- i thought that if seattle did make a change um trying to go for an ar upgrade would be what they would look to do unless they wanted to move sib to main ar and look for a flex mm-hmm. um but i i don't hate the decision to stick together like you said it was the most successful uh season in seattle franchise history uh, a lot of potential there with with sib and pred uh as a young duo to build around um i think too that the one thing that you know even if we're talking about potential ar upgrades however you want to phrase it with accuracy he's still uh one of the best search players in the league super clutch uh brings the intangibles and um you know the, that leadership especially that uh you might be looking for with young guys like seven pred who will be entering their second season in the league um so i i think it's fine i think seattle's middle of the pack team um with that that high very high ceiling and as we saw last year they definitely will have the potential to win events so um really looking forward to seeing what Sid and Pred do in year two um we'll have my eyes on accuracy and Mac though to see how they perform if uh you know with the contract situations and stuff don't know you know you would assume that Seattle wants to try to keep Pred and Sib long term but um it could be a big year if, you know, Seattle struggles for whatever reason. Maybe some other teams try to sign them in free agency um, because I think they just had their options extended instead of signing new contracts. I don't know for sure. Uh, that's getting too far ahead of myself. But, yeah, just the roster itself. Um, excited to see them run it back. And, you know, we we saw what they're capable of last year. Um, looking forward to some more highlight reel moments from the young guns and more clutches from Accuracy and Crew. Yeah, uh, according to the CDL player tracker, all four players were extended, but um, the exact length of the contract is uh, not public knowledge, so uh, we don't really know if they'll be under contract for maybe one, two, three years. Um, I know that really the only ones that we know of are RCDs and uh, Spart. I think both announced that they're three-year contracts, but that's about the extent of our knowledge about uh, the contract lengths at the time. Um, the Toronto Ultra also announced their roster on September 9th. Uh, so Kleenex, Insight, Scrappy, and Standy are going to be the Ultra starting roster into the next season. So Kleenex and uh, Insight obviously coming back from the, uh, last season's roster after a pretty disappointing year for the, the Ultra. Uh, Scrappy comes up from the NA Academy team that Toronto uh, fielded last season. And Standy moves from the Minnesota Rocker. He was an unrestricted free agent this offseason, signed with the Toronto Ultra. Um, the only thing that really surprised me, uh, obviously, seeing Insight and Kleenex come back, not surprising at all. Um, Scrappy being promoted to a starting roster, uh, definitely deserved and uh, not surprising in the slightest that uh, Toronto is trying to hold on to him. But Standy was surprising for me. I thought that Hixie, um, who was also on, uh, I believe, the Ultra U Academy uh, roster, if I'm not mistaken, um, but he was he's an Academy player. He was a substitute uh, for the Toronto Ultra, and he was not a part of this roster. Um, were you surprised by Hixie not being included in the Ultra's uh, roster announcement? Um, not necessarily. I, I was surprised. I feel like, you know, from the rumors we heard, 
that I don't think Standy was like rumored that far ahead of like like I I saw rumors of Standy being linked to Toronto, but it wasn't like as far ahead of the announcement as some of the other rosters that were you know like Awakening to Boston was rumored for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the the rumor for Toronto was including Hixie. And then just like only a couple days before Toronto actually announced it, we started hearing about Standy potentially going there. Um, I could be wrong on that, but yeah, I was kind of surprised about Standy going there, but I really like that move. Um, I think Standy and Kleenex together as a sub duo is just super electrifying and has a ton of potential. Um, I think that both of them, I, I've always liked Kleenex as a player and I, I think his style, you know, comparable to a BZ, uh, just that super fast in your face aggressive style. And Standy kind of showed that at times with Minnesota too. Um, but I'll be interested to see if maybe he slows down a little bit due to having someone as fast as Kleenex playing in front of him and maybe playing off that. Um, I could, you know, in another world, maybe, you know, vice versa, Standy goes super aggressive and Kleenex slows down a little. I don't know how I feel about that exactly, but it's obviously a possibility. Um, and I think just having that flexibility and the possibility just speaks volumes to the potential of this sub duo. And I'm, I'm super excited to see what they're able to do. Um, and I also have said before, I'm really excited for Scrappy's debut. I just think, you know, he's... Uh, going to be a breath of fresh air in the CDL for to, to have a young kid coming in talking trash. Uh, it should be pretty exciting and, and lead to some good uh, Twitter clips. So looking forward, I, I as excited as I can be for um, a team that's not technically from America and has European players. I am pretty excited about this lineup. Um, I should mention that Hixie was on ultra Academy and a with scrappy yeah. last year um, as well. Another member of that roster was Vickle. Uh, and he has now been announced as part of the Florida Mutineers starting roster uh, for the next season of the Call of Duty League. Um, so it'll be Vickle, Havoc, Brack, and Major Maniac. So uh, Major Maniac stays on the roster that he joined or on the team that he joined late in the season last year. Um, and uh, Brack and Vickle, who were all in challengers the entire of, uh, entirety of last year, and Havoc, who came in and replaced major maniac in minnesota um so that, that's interesting but havoc was also a part of the mutineers roster uh before this past season um for two years and, and i thought the i i think the roster in general is interesting because they're trying to go with a, a different look of two guys that are basically working their way up to the cdl obviously brack was a part of the ultra um in 2020 and he previously was a pro with luminosity uh but he hasn't been in the cdl for a while and he won uh the challengers champs this past season um vickle is on ultra academy and a that team was incredible for most of the season and finished second um but really interestingly uh dave patty who was the only member of the florida mutineers who was announced as like confirmed returning he is going to start the season as a substitute. Uh, what do you think about that? And what do you think about this roster in general? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a good business strategy from Florida, just assuming, um, again, obviously it's assumptions, but because he was a rookie last year, is probably a uh, minimum salary or close to the minimum salary for Dave Patty. So it would make sense to just keep him around. Uh, 
as a substitute. And they were putting out some a couple content videos, him and Willett, the coach, mm-hmm. uh, during the offseason before um, all this, you know, the roster stuff happened. So um, I, I think that's fine. I, I do think it will be difficult for him to find a way into the lineup unless Florida makes multiple changes. Uh, just because, you know, you have Major Maniac, and I think Brack has the potential to be a really strong AR player too. So um, it would be tough, on, uh, in my head at least, it, it could be tough for Dave to find his way back into the lineup unless Florida makes multiple changes. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited in particular to see Brack in the CDL. Like you mentioned, he was a part of that uh, Toronto Ultra 10-man project in MW2019. Uh, but I'm pretty sure he never actually got called up to the CDL. He was, like, one of the few guys who actually didn't, you know, play in the CDL as part of that, like, roster carousel. Um, and I really liked him as a player back in Black Ops 4. I thought he was a uh, super solid player, and I enjoyed watching him play when he was on Luminosity in particular. So um, I'm, I'm glad he's getting a shot to show what he can do now. Uh, I'm going to be looking forward to that. I, I, I've always talked a lot of praise for Havoc, too. Um I think, you know, we saw Havoc and Major Maniac back in the Gen G days. Again, Black Ops 4, thinking back to that, you know, we know what they're capable of together. So, uh, you know, you, you got a good mix here of a couple veterans, a couple uh, rookies coming in, however you want to classify them. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not ex- going to have super high expectations for this roster, but, um, you know, one thing we've talked about with Florida all the time is that they, they've been able to find – um, some diamonds in the rough in the past and, you know, make some moves that some people weren't anticipating and then they paid off very well for Florida. So um, I think this roster, if we were doing a tier list today, it would probably be uh, lower down in the tier list, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this team shows some flashes of potential later on. I should also point out that Major Maniac and Brack played together in Challengers this season. Um, as a part of the uh, Shady Kings roster, which won the Toronto Open um, and also finished in uh, second in the Elite Stage 3 playoffs. So uh, that's that's something to point out. And then, like I said, um, Brack was a part of that roster that won Challengers Champs with Classic Exceed and Mohawk, which is a, an incredible achievement, um, definitely deserving of a call-up. And I'm glad that uh, Brack is at least getting a chance to show uh, what he can do in the CDL after, you know, like you said, not getting a, a real chance or a, like an opportunity to uh, play a CDL match in 2020. Um, there's also the Boston Breach roster uh, announcement, um, which just happened a few days ago. Uh, so Nero, Vivid, Methods, and Awakening. Uh, so Awakening coming from Florida. That will be the roster for the starting roster for the Boston Breach. And then today, uh, the Boston Breach announced that Beans, who was a European Challengers player, he will be a substitute for the Breach uh, for next season. Um, so what do you think about Awakening uh, moving from Florida to Boston? It's been rumored for quite a long time, but uh, now that's officially announced, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. I I think um, last time we talked about it when it was a rumor, my big point was that um, last year when we saw Awakening and Vivid playing together, it was alongside Skies and uh, Dave Patty for the most part, I believe. Now I'm questioning that, but I think that was the roster at that time. Um, I just know the main point was that Vivid didn't really have a second true sub around him. He was mostly surrounded by 
players who predominantly are known for their AR skills. Um, and I think that might have affected the results that Vivid and Awakening saw together when they last played. Now we're seeing uh, with this Boston team, we'll see that that Nero and Vivid subduo that did see some success with Boston towards the end of the year after they made the move, um, alongside only you know methods as the slower AR and main AR, and then Awakening gets to be the flex. Um, we saw, you know, Awakening's capable, very capable with a sub if necessary, but I still think he's better as an AR. Um, but he won't be in a situation with this Boston team where if it's a two-sub map, he has to run the second sub. You know, they got Nero and Vivid, who should both be uh, running a sub over him in most situations, in my opinion. So, um, excited to see the potential they got, you know, I... I think they got some good slaying potential with Awakening and Nero, and obviously Vivid goes off in plenty of situations, but he's more of a dirty work guy. So uh, Vivid setting the pace, setting it up for Nero Awakening, and then Methods holding down spawns and stuff like that. I think this is a solid roster on paper uh, with some potential. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a lot of potential there. Um, I, you know, I've said it before. I, I really love how Vivid plays. I like, I just like that playstyle in general. Um, awakening before this past season, I think his stock was at an all time high. People really thought very highly of him and, you know, a tough season probably put a little bit of a damper on that, but, um, Boston, they look to be a pretty good team, um, on paper, uh, like you, uh, I'm very excited to see what they're capable of, uh, when the season does actually get started. Um, we have some coaching stuff that, uh, we should, uh, talk to, uh, I mean, I, I don't think we really need to uh, spend much time on it, but Phoenix was the Seattle uh, surge coach. He re-signed with the team, so he'll be returning um, despite um, Novus uh, uh, stepping down from the general manager, manager position and likely taking a position elsewhere. Um, also, uh, the Mutineers announced that Willett will be returning for uh, the next season as their head coach. And the big one, Marky B., uh, who has been with the Toronto Ultra since the beginning has been, um, you know, from what everyone can tell, a very crucial part of their operation in Toronto. He has signed with the Los Angeles Gorillas to become their new head coach. Um, that's a that's a really big move, um, at least in my opinion. I, you know, obviously coaching is subjective about how much is uh, being done and you know how important it is, but Marky B has um, really shown that his teams are good, which I think is a good sign as always. Um, and he always, he seems like a very active member of the, uh, that he was an active member of the ultra. What do you think of this move? Um, Marky B going to LAG. I'm surprised by it just based off of what we know of the Toronto organization. It seems like, and this could be, um, incorrect but it just from the outside looking in and based on conversations uh we've heard in the community it seemed like you know marky b was a part of the the push for toronto to have an all european roster when that was toronto's roster um so him moving to a team that doesn't have any european players is interesting to me um i do think he's a solid coach though obviously championship winning coach with toronto so um you can't, you know, really think much beyond that. It's just, it's interesting to me that he'll be um, 
he, he's coaching a team without any European players. And who knows, maybe uh, that could mean that, you know, if LAG struggles, that they look to the European amateur scene for potential subs or replacements during the season. Um, that does raise an interesting question of who's going to coach Toronto. Um, I know they, I think his name was Flux was the assistant coach slash analyst. I don't know if he'll just be like promoted or something, but I know he was working pretty close with Marky B um, and Toronto over the past couple of years. So maybe that's the route they go, but there's, there's a bunch of rumors going around um, with the coaching stuff in general. I know Sender is a name that's been tossed around. Um, It's, it's unreal. It's, it's, unclear where he'll be coaching next year, if he'll return to Optic or if he'll get a head coaching job elsewhere. Um, we haven't really heard anything about Parasite, but obviously he put out that he wants to be a coach. Um, so that's a potential target, I guess, for Toronto or any other team still looking for a coach. So um, there's still, you know, aside from uh, Las Vegas, which it could be December before we actually know who's playing for uh, them at that point. Um, other than that, I, I'm I'm not really sure how much else there is uh, this off season for us to look for. We need New York's roster, mm-hmm. um, and their coaching situation I don't think has been confirmed, but they did uh, announce the departures of JP and uh, Revan. So uh, could be D Real staying, presuming that Hydra stays. Um, and that rumored roster is what happens there. I think the rumored roster for New York is like Hydra, Skies, Kismet, and Priesta. Um, so I think, are, are those the only two teams we haven't had announced yet? New York and Vegas? Um, and London. London. Yep. London. Yep. yep. And I guess the Thieves the haven't team. officially announced that their roster is yeah. returning. That happened last year, though, with FaZe. FaZe yeah. never officially announced that they were sticking after winning the World Championship, but everybody because, knew they were. Yeah, it was pretty obvious that it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, another uh, candidate for the head coaching position of Toronto is Mayhem, uh, who previously okay. was a part of that that roster carousel that you mentioned earlier in 2020 with the Ultra. Um, he was a strategic coach for um, the, like near the end of the season for Toronto. He was also a coach for the Ultra Academy NA team and the Texas Nation roster um, that was like Havoc and General and stuff. So he was a coach for them uh, for a few months there as well. So And he's from Toronto, which I guess yeah. uh, could be – of value, but yeah, I'm pretty surprised about the Marky B stuff just because he's been with like the overactive media team for like three or four years now, uh, from when he was the coach of splice before the CDL started. And obviously the past three years with, uh, Toronto, it is a pretty surprising development that, um, he's going to LAG, but maybe he sees, um, the obvious potential of that roster, uh, with how much talent there is uh, on LAG, and maybe he thinks that um, they can win a championship there. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, it should be interesting to see what everybody's capable of this year. Um, yeah, one other thing I'll bring up that uh, we didn't have in the notes that I was just thinking of too yeah. is a uh, Gunless tweeted two days oh, yeah. ago on September twentieth. Um, that he had 10 days, so I'm assuming it's an October 1st deadline, uh, 10 days to find a sub spot or, you know, be signed by a team so that he can uh, have his visa extended to stay in the U.S. Obviously, Gunless is Canadian. Um, 
So that's something we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Um, the first thing I thought of when I saw that tweet was that I felt like uh, Optic might like just sign him, not even necessarily as a sub, but just for content. I know, I know Gunless isn't exactly like um, a super entertaining guy, but he's a guy who really loves Call of Duty, and I feel like he would be good at, you know, content videos if that was something necessary. But I also, he's just a competitor at the end of the day, so I don't know um, how much that would suit him. But I do know, you know, he has that relationship with being on the Huntsman uh, previously. So I, I could have seen a world where, like, they were trying to help him out, stay in the U.S., but obviously we'll just have to keep our eyes on that, see if uh, there's any developments with uh, Gunless's visa situation. Yeah, hopefully he gets sorted out, he gets signed by a team or... He marries a, an American woman, um, which I think he did mention <laughs> that as was a possibility. Funny, yeah. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, what'd you say? It, yeah, just it's kind of wild to just think about a player as talented as Gunless potentially not even being considered for a substitute spot, let alone a starting spot. Um, we know there's been, you know, outside of the game situations where. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking of him benching himself back the United days, um long time ago though, obviously, and I, I feel like he's matured since then. And I, I just think he's a super solid player. He's one of those guys who uh even last year during Vanguard, like he was grinding pubs in Vanguard, which takes a lot of uh personal commitment and will to put yourself through that. So um, he's a guy who loves Call of Duty at the end of the day and is going to grind it to try and, you know, be the best player he can be. And I think all the teams in the league, if, if any of them are looking for a serious sub, that uh, he would be a really good candidate. I think he'd also work as like a coach or an analyst just with the amount that he plays Call of Duty when he's like really motivated. Um, I think that's valuable just being able to figure out different nerd spots and be able to just bounce ideas off of him would probably be useful for most teams. Um, but yeah, definitely hope that everything gets sorted, especially with all of the medical issues that he was dealing with earlier yeah. this season. Um, you know, he obviously, he just didn't have a, like a, an ideal year, um, you know, personally. So uh, hopefully everything gets worked out on that end and he's able to stay and, you know, continue uh, this incredible career that he's had because it's been like, if it doesn't feel that long ago that he was, you know, regarded as one of the best players in the world. Um, but I guess it is quite a bit ago that he was like on E United and then got traded to FaZe for Clayster, like all of that stuff just seems, you know, it, it was like five, six years ago, but it yeah. just doesn't seem that long ago. Um, 2017, he was MVP at MLG Atlanta, where I was at one of the, that was like my, that would have been the second event of IW I was at, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause Vegas was the first one. Um, so that's something they nobody was expecting the United to win that event, and then they beat Optic in the grand finals. It was Pristini, Silly, and Arcides alongside Gunless. He was the MVP of that, and then obviously he had a really good uh, World War II season with Rise outside of uh, Champs. But they're stumbled there, but you know they won a couple events during the season with Rise too. So has been a couple of years since he's you know been really regarded as one of the top players. But I just think at the end of the day he's a super solid player, uh, one of those flex guys who he can do it all with a sub and an AR, and I think that's incredibly valuable to any team. Um, any thoughts on the MW two beta? Um, you know, you've played it. You obviously adored um, MW twenty nineteen. So what do you think of MW two so far? I'm not a huge fan. 
Um, I have incredibly low expectations for this game going into the year, and the beta just didn't really do anything for me during the first week. Um, I will say for the most part that um, the mini-map thing is weird, that, you know, it seems like they're uh, moving away from the traditional mini-map and sticking to one that's, like, only showing the red dots of enemy fire when a UAV is active. Um, I feel like I really honestly didn't notice it a lot in the pubs I was playing, but that could also just be because UAV is a low kill streak and a lot of people are getting it frequently. Um, but regardless of that, that's just a, a weird change and I'm I'm not sure how it would work for competitive unless there's like a setting in there to, you know, go back to um a standard classic minimap that we're used to in competitive COD, then I think that's not a big issue if it's only like a pub thing. Um and I will say too, the footstep audio was rather loud. Um, you know, head ego child correspondent Trem was very unhappy with that. Um, there's no ninja perk, and you had to do like a class workaround. There was, I mean, obviously it's a beta, but there was a lot of uh, finicky stuff that you could do to like try to unlock certain guns and field upgrades, like dead silence. Uh, to get them equipped on your classes and like if you didn't know that or like look it up then you're just like sounding like an elephant running around the map at all times um other than that i will say uh one of the guns is the uh one it's a submachine gun called the fss hurricane um this is again one of those guns that like isn't actually unlocked but you can use the new gunsmith receiver thing that they've added um if you level up one of the battle rifles which is like uh one of the like single fire semi-auto uh rifles uh if you got that to us i think it was like level 16 you could use the receiver attachment to change it into the submachine gun and then you could level up the submachine gun um but regardless of that the fss hurricane uh is a sub in the beta that i really enjoyed it's like um it has a uh like a u-shaped vector like iron sights which i kind of like uh and the gun felt pretty good um was rather strong so i i enjoyed playing with that the m4 seems you know just like the standard uh ar for now until i i'm pretty sure it's been leaked that the acr is expected to be in the game so i'm i'm obviously as an mw2 mw3 guy um really hoping that the acr is as good as it was in the old days without you know no stopping power this time around but um yeah i i think there's some potential with some things we've seen there's obviously some stuff that uh the community is unhappy about but i will say it is uh good to see that the developers put out that blog after the first week ended um at least addressing you know some of the stuff that the community was talking about in terms of like the mini map uh the footsteps the new perk package i guess i can talk about that real quick they changed uh the perk system now so that it's like instead of your classic three perks and then maybe like the wild cards to pick ones you pick a pack you can customize your own package but you get two main perks um and then two bonus perks that you the bonus perks you unlock based on your performance in the game or just like over time in the game um so it's a little different i, I was talking to head ego child correspondent tremor about it um it's obviously i i'm not a huge fan and it's a little different than you know the three perk system but in the last couple of call of duty titles we were essentially only using two perks anyway at least in competitive because you know last year in vanguard the the second perk there was no viable uh second perk so everybody just had radar on um 
can't remember what it was exactly in Cold War, but I think in Cold War 2, there was, like, basically a default perk that was being used instead of, um, you know, having, like, options between, like, Battle Hardened or Tack Mask and Flak, those sort of choices. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the perk package stuff is interesting. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I could see it having some potential. I could also see it uh, turning into a big GA fest, though, with some of the uh, later perks and then those just being GA'd into two-perk game. So we'll have to see how that develops. But end of the day, I do think it was good that the uh, developers did come out and address some of the stuff from the uh, first week of the beta, although fans might not have gotten the answers they were hoping for. It's still feedback and it shows that developers are actually listening contrary to popular belief or what some people think um so yeah i think i still you know i'm not holding my breath or thinking that mw2 is the cod savior or anything like that but um there are some positive signs in uh this cloud of negativity surrounding the upcoming title yeah i think there will always be a cloud of negativity around whatever modern war or modern call of duty uh release like that's just how it is i think if black ops 2 dropped tomorrow everybody would be like what is going on like why is this p uh what is it the the p90 no what was it the pdw no pdw yeah. yeah like early on like it was super overpowered the cat 40 would have been so unpopular it'd be like <laughs> who, who thought it was a good idea to give you like 12 bullets and a automatic pistol um the foul would be like ga'd like immediately nobody's allowed to use the foul like <laughs> all of this stuff like that everybody is like man i just missed that they would just be bitching about it today like that it wouldn't be popular at all um nowadays i think that's just how it is not not giving like all of the developers a pass but i do think it's harder than ever to make video games now like definitely just like everybody has their opinion and they think that it's really important to to let people know about it so um i mean i don't think that mw2 is going to be the savior like you said um i don't think any call of duty game will be uh hopefully they they figure out like a, a happy medium between trying to do what they want to do completely and then a little bit of the competitive side like let let competitive players have their mini maps so they're not melting down i maybe lower the footsteps so tremor doesn't rage online during gbs like i think these things can be worked out and hopefully they will be over the next um you know just over a month now uh it comes out the 28th it's uh september 22nd right now so you know just over a month um some of the beta is still left and i'm sure they'll continue to fine-tune things and who knows what the game will be like competitively because this is all just like pubs and you know general uh, gameplay so it, it could be completely different once everybody gets into custom games and they're able to play around with certain things um yeah i i think um i'm i'm having a hard time remembering the specific map names i think it might have been the farm at map which was a pretty small yeah uh map that um I'm just, I'm not 100%. I think it is actually Farm 18 that I'm thinking of, but it, regardless, it's it's definitely the smallest map in the uh, beta, whichever map I'm thinking of, and it has, like, a maze-like area in the middle building uh, that's super chaotic and domination stuff. You got your guys just flying in with subs and stuff. Um, and then in Search, this, the uh, bomb is in, like, one of the side buildings on the outside that, you know, took Trem and I um, 
a while to figure out why, not a while, but it took us a couple of rounds to figure out why the other team was getting the bomb down so fast when they just, you know, they could just literally run into the underground building and plant the bomb within like 10 seconds of the round. Um, but that map is pretty small and fun for casual mode. I could see it being uh, comparable to Nuketown just in the sense of like the, the, the MW2 version of a very small, chaotic, fast-paced map. Um, there was another map that has like uh, a couple garages and like some small, like not like I don't know how to describe it, just some narrow corridors and uh, choke points and stuff um, that could work for search at a competitive level. But um, aside from that, really none of the maps really stood out to me so far in the beta. I don't know if they actually added any new maps um, for this second week, but what I played. Uh, during the first week, I, w I wasn't really overly impressed with any of the maps, and it didn't like none of them really jumped out to me as like, oh, I can see this being a CDL map. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, there aren't going to be many maps that you're like, man, that's a that's going to be a great competitive <laughs> map. That's just probably not going to happen very often. Um, but hopefully, there's just a lot of maps to pick from, and then we can just pick the best out of those. But uh, we'll see. Um, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Nope. All right, make sure to subscribe, like, or follow uh, whatever platform you're listening or watching on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. He's at Bank with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers. The podcast Twitter is at Ego Child Podcast. The next show is, who knows? Uh, it's the off-season. And um, like Bink said a little bit earlier, we don't really have a ton of rosters to um, that that are going to be announced. Uh, there's only a few rosters that haven't been announced so far. Um, but if they're announced, uh, we'll hop on here. We'll talk about it. If any more information comes about out about the CDL or or something related to the Call of Duty League, um, we'll talk about it. Uh, but uh, just make sure to follow us on Twitter. That's probably going to be the best way. Or just make sure to follow or like your podcast feed so you're getting it every time that we end up doing a podcast. Um, but, yeah, that does it for me. Take it away, Bink. Yep. Short and sweet this time around. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Um, you'll see us whenever you see us again. Hopefully, you know, it's not too long ago. I guess maybe we could do a show next week depending on if we have anything particular to talk about with the beta but no promises there we'll just we'll let you guys know uh when we're going live next and yeah that's all i got thank you guys for tuning in and as always remember to send the chow